Hello and welcome back to Endopod. My name is Hepsi Xavier and I'm an intercalating medical student. In this episode, we're going to be talking about pancreatic cancer, which is the fourth most common cause of cancer-related deaths in the UK. It tends to occur in those aged 60 to 80 years old. We will go over the anatomy of the pancreas briefly before covering risk factors, clinical features, investigations and treatment for pancreatic cancer. There will also be a short section covering endocrine tumours of the pancreas at the end. Let's start with the anatomy. The pancreas is a glandular organ situated in the abdominal cavity. It has an exocrine function, meaning it produces digestive enzymes which are released into the duodenum through the pancreatic duct. And it also has an endocrine function, meaning it produces several hormones including insulin and glucagon. The head of the pancreas is the widest part of the organ and fits into the C-shaped curve of the duodenum. The tail is the only intraperitoneal part of the pancreas, meaning the rest of the organ is retroperitoneal. The pancreas receives its blood supply from pancreatic branches of the splenic artery. The head of the pancreas receives an additional supply from superior and inferior pancreatical duodenal arteries. There are also some blood vessels in close proximity to the pancreas, including the aorta, inferior vena cava, superior mesenteric artery and vein, and the hepatic portal vein. This is important when considering hematogenous spread of pancreatic cancer and when determining whether a tumour is resectable or not. The pancreas is innervated by three nerve bundles, the vagus nerve, thoracic splanchnic nerves and the celiac plexus. The celiac plexus is a complex bundle of nerves located at T12 and is responsible for transmitting pain sensation from the pancreas. Let's move on to the types of pancreatic cancer. The most common type is ductal carcinoma, arising from the exocrine portion of the, of the organ. There can also be other exocrine tumours such as pancreatic cystic carcinoma and endocrine tumours which tend to have better prognosis. The head of the pancreas is the most affected part and about 25% of cases affect the body and tail. Tumours located in the body and tail are usually diagnosed in more advanced stages as they are less likely to cause obstructive symptoms. Let's move on and talk about the risk factors for pancreatic cancer. They can be split into exogenous or modifiable risk factors, such as smoking, which is the strongest risk factor for pancreatic cancer, and other exogenous risk factors include chronic pancreatitis, high alcohol consumption, type 2 diabetes, obesity, occupational exposure to chemicals used in dry cleaning or metalworking, and infections with Helicobacter pylori and Hepatitis B. There can also be endogenous or non-modifiable risk factors, and these include age, pancreatic cysts, cystic fibrosis, and certain inherited genetic syndromes such as BRCA1 or 2, Pitts-Jeger syndrome, Lynch syndrome, and more. Let's move on to talk about how pancreatic cancer presents in patients. Unfortunately, approximately 80% of cases are unresectable at diagnosis due to the late and non-specific nature of its presentation. Up to 90% of cases present with painless obstructive jaundice due to the compression of the bile duct which tends to happen if the tumour is located in the head of the pancreas. Symptoms include yellowing, yellowing of the skin, pale stills and dark urine. 
Often, Courvoisier's sign is used to describe this phenomenon. Essentially, this describes that there is a painless jaundice accompanied by an enlarged palpable gallbladder, and this is due to an obstructive cancer until proven otherwise. Weight loss and weakness also usually occur. There may also be a malabsorption and diarrhea, and sometimes diarrhea, which happens if there is exocrine insufficiency. Steatoria is a term used for foul-smelling, bulky stools that float. Pancreatic tumour cells sometimes release certain products into the bloodstream, such as mucin and tissue factor, and these lead to a hypercoagulable state called Trousseau syndrome. This is also sometimes called migratory superficial thrombophlebitis. This can present as inflamed reddened lines or lesions in the fat under the skin. Acute pancreatitis can occur as well. These, both acute pancreatitis and Trousseau syndrome are both rare presentations of pancreatic cancer. Moving on, there may also be generalized abdominal pain due to the compression of the celiac plexus, which transmits pain sensation, as I mentioned before. On examinations, patient may, patients may appear jaundiced, cachectic, and there may be a palpable epigastric mass in keeping with Courvoisier's sign, and this is due to an enlarged gallbladder. So, once you have taken a thorough history, examined the patient, and you suspect there might be an underlying pancreatic malignancy, what should you do? Considering the patient is stable and no immediate intervention is needed, some initial blood tests can be done. A full blood count might show anemia or thrombocytopenia. Liver function tests can show raised bilirubin, raised alkaline phosphatase or raised gamma GT. And the tumour marker with highest sensitivity and specificity for pancreatic cancer is CA199. However, this tends to be a prognostic indicator and is used to assess response to treatment rather than diagnosing the cancer in the first place. After blood tests, some imaging tests can also be done. The first line test for pancreatic cancer is an abdominal ultrasound, which may show a mass or a dilated biliary tree and possibly liver metastasis if late stage. This can be followed up with a CT scan, which is a gold standard for diagnosing pancreatic cancer. Staging can be done following this by ordering a CT chest abdominal pelvis scan. In unclear cases, PET CT scan or MRCP may be useful. The double duct sign may be seen and is highly indicative of pancreatic cancer. It describes the simultaneous dilation of the common bile duct and pancreatic ducts. Sometimes an endoscopic ultrasound is also done. Commonly, it's used to stage adenocarcinomas and for potential biopsies to confirm the disease histologically. Due to the non-specific nature of the presentation of pancreatic cancer, differential diagnosis can be best. A way to approach this is to consider the causes of obstructive jaundice, and this includes gallstones and cholangiocarcinoma. And similarly, if, if we consider the causes of epigastric pain, this can include gallstones, peptic ulcer disease, gastric cancer, and even acute coronary syndrome such as a myocardial infarction. Now moving on to discuss the management of pancreatic cancer. The only curative option for pancreatic adenocarcinoma is radical resection. Unfortunately, less than 20% of patients have a resectable tumour at diagnosis. Tumour node metastasis or TNM staging is used for pancreatic cancer. Tumours are classified as resectable, borderline, borderline resectable, locally advanced and metastatic. This depends on the level of contact with surrounding vessels such as the portal vein, superior mesenteric artery and vein, celiac trunk and common hepatic artery. Patients with locally advanced or metastatic disease cannot be considered for surgical resections. 
Those who have borderline resectable disease should undergo neoadjuvant chemotherapy and chemoradiation before they undergo surgery. Typically, gemcitabine or fulfurinox chemoregimens are used. If they have poor performance status and are unfit for such treatments, symptomatic, symptomatic management is done. This includes insertion of a biliary stent to relieve obstructive jaundice and pruritus, and malabsorption and steatria can be combated with enzyme replacements such as creon. For patients who can go undergo surgery, the procedure depends on tumour location. For head of pancreas tumours, a pancreaticoduodenectomy, also known as Whipple's procedure, is performed. This involves removing the head of the pancreas, antrum of the stomach, first and second parts of the duodenum, common bile duct and gallbladder. All these organs are removed because they share common arterial supply from the gastroduodenal artery. After this, the tail of the pancreas and hepatic duct are attached to the jejunum to allow drainage of bile and pancreatic enzymes. Then the stomach is anastomosed with the jejunum to allow passage of food. If the tumour is in the body or tail of the pancreas, a distal pancreatectomy with or without splenectomy and regional lymphadenectomy is performed. Both these procedures have high morbidity and complications including pancreatic fistula, delayed gastric emptying and pancreatic insufficiency. After surgical procedure, all patients should receive adjuvant chemotherapy, usually with gemcitabine or 5-fluorouracil. So as you can see, pancreatic cancer treatment is highly taxing on patients. And in general, pancreatic cancer has high metastatic potential due to its insidious, non-specific onset and prognosis is unfortunately quite poor. The overall 5-year survival rate is only around 10% for patients. Finally, let's talk about endocrine tumours of the pancreas. They can be split into functional, meaning they actively release hormones, or non-functional, which means they don't secrete hormones. Endocrine tumours of the pancreas often occur as part of multiple endocrine neoplasia syndrome 1, or MEN1. This is an inherited condition categorised by benign tumours found in the endocrine glands within the body. The most common tumours associated with MEN1 are pituitary adenomas, pancreatic tumours and parathyroid hyperplasia. Check out our episode covering MEN1 for further details on the topic. The clinical features of functional pancreatic endocrine tumours depend on which hormone they secrete. The first tumour I'm going to cover is a gastrinoma, which is a tumour of the G cells within the pancreas and it secretes gastrin, which normally stimulates gastric acid production. Having a gastrinoma leads to something called Zollinger-Ellenson syndrome, leading to severe peptic ulcers which are non-responsive to standard medical treatment. They may also present with diarrhea and steatorrhea. The second type of tumour we're going to cover is a glucagonoma, which is a tumour of the alpha cells and as you can guess it secretes glucagon. Since glucagon works to raise blood glucose levels, this tumour results in hyperglycemia and diabetes. It can also lead to something called necrolytic migratory erythema. This is a rash that often affects the genitals, buttock region and lower legs. It starts off as a ring-shaped area that blisters, erodes and then crusts over. It can be very painful and itchy and may leave a burn mark as it heals. It can also cause a sm smooth sore tongue, sore mouth and cracked dry lips. The third kind of tumour is an insulinoma which is a tumour of the beta cells and releases insulin. It results in symptomatic hypoglycemia, including features such as sweating and confusion. 
The final type of pancreatic endocrine tumour that will be covered is the somatostatinoma, which releases somatostatin. Normally, this hormone inhibits the release of various hormones such as growth hormone, thyroid-stimulating hormone, gastrin, prolactin, and more. So clinical features can include diabetes, steatorrhea, and gallstones due to the inhibition of cholecystokinin, and weight loss in achloridia can occur due to the inhibition of gastrin. Endocrine tumours of the pancreas require specialist input and should be discussed at multidisciplinary team meetings. They are best investigated with special blood tests to identify which hormones they secrete, and certain imaging tests can be done such as CT, MRI and endoscopic ultrasound. If they are small, meaning less than 1 cm, and non-functional, they can be observed. However, larger functional tumours generally need surgical resection. While awaiting surgery or if unfit, somatostatin analogues can be used to lessen the effects of hormonal hypersecretion. So, in this episode, we have covered pancreatic cancer in detail and briefly discussed endocrine pancreatic tumours. The main points to remember are that pancreatic cancer often presents late due to non-specific onset and has poor prognosis. The symptoms and signs include painless obstructive jaundice and, jaundice and weight loss. The mainstay ra- radical treatment is Whipple's procedure. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please like and share this podcast with all your friends and colleagues. Make sure you're following us on our social media for updates and our exciting projects. Just search for Aberdeen University Endocrinology Society. Thank you for listening in. Stay safe and happy. This is Hepsi Xavier signing off.